Okay. Don't let this be our final song. Welcome everybody, welcome to the New York Times Smack Talk. Today I've got Fabulous guest here for episode number 29 of the Smack Talk podcast. It is the wonderful, very funny Darren Matthews. Darren, thank you very much for coming on. Hi Sean, what's the crack man? Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, I can see you're located there above the 18 arches of Bestwick. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm actually just on the roof at my mom's house in Millville here, so that's why... <laughs> I thought I'd, I mean, fair play to her that the internet signals class from the roof. So I thought that'd be good. <laughs> I, I hope this is a video podcast or the people listening to this are going, what is, what are these yeah. people talking about? Yeah. <laughs> no, all my formats are video formats. So unfortunately you have to look at us for the full duration. <laughs> That's okay. If I'd have known that, I would have uh, maybe shaved my head because this, this lack of haircuts is absolutely ridiculous. You uh, weren't so tempted a bit, over a bit the... of better lighting. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of soft lightning <laughs> happening here in Belfast. Uh, I'm, so just yeah, delighted, you... I'm just delighted to be on the podcast where I can unleash my full neuriness yeah i actually i have i interview people on my podcast from all over the world so i have to speak a bit more proper but i don't yeah. have to do that here you so can let loose here with us let's do it <laughs> very good so yeah as you said you're originally from bestbrook specifically that's the one yep bestbrook specifically and now you've basically ventured off up into the big city in belfast there yeah, I bought a house in, Be- uh, in Belfast. It was cheaper than buying a house in Bestbrook. So. Believe it or believe it or not, yeah. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were laughing the other day. We were actually saying, all for like the size of Bestbrook and the place that it is, it's actually funny how like everyone has nice cars and it's probably due to two factors. One, they're either on DLA or two, they're a drug dealer or both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair play to them. I, I always thought Bestbrook was this sort of lovely idyllic village and then I was... I was uh, down home, sort of in between lockdowns, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's doing well, and there's BMWs with tinted windows going around. <laughs> yeah, this is rough as guts. Yeah. So. Yeah, so uh, for people that don't know Darren, Darren is comedian, and basically one of actually the first gigs I went to in Belfast was the Sunflower Comedy Club, and Darren was up the front doing his bit, and part of your bit, I think, was anyone in the house from Bestbrook, and you had turned to dismiss the part before you'd even had the sounds out of your mouth, and my friends go, he's from Bestbrook. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't get away from these people. <laughs> yeah, what are the chances? 2,000 people in a population of 1.9 million in the north, and one guy was like, I know you. <laughs> yeah, I know you. I live in the street opposite, actually, from where you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I did that. That has happened to me in far-flung countries. Never mind going to Belfast. I got really? that tap on the shoulder. In... Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, where's the weirdest place it happened um singapore i was doing i was doing gigs over there and a guy tapped me um on the shoulder because my i was wearing my Le summon jersey which was the football team i played for mm-hmm. and i had it on me because it was green for paddy's day and i felt somebody come up and it says it says Le summon in irish on the back and i felt somebody you ever felt somebody read your shoulders it felt like it was like poking me <laughs> and i was like hey hey what the fuck <laughs> and the guy just went to me <laughs> in the in the thickest accent he just went you're from the summon boy. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm actually from Bestbrook. I says, where are you from? He's like, Kamla. <laughs> so, Kamla. <laughs> oh, it's definitely, so, yeah. you can't get away from anybody in this, in these parts. It's brutal. But uh, in, ter- in terms of the, in terms of the comedy scene in Northern Ireland, so you, well, it's sort of shy talking about it now, obviously with the whole situation that's going on, but uh, you still are running your own comedy club. Or clubs, well, there, yeah, when, when, when we're, when when we're allowed happens. to. Yeah, yeah, when we're allowed to, yeah. Uh, yep, still running two. Running one in Uri and one in Belfast, which you were at, and as you could see, which was really grim because we set that up as a new club. We did three shows, all sold out, all brilliant lineups, mm-hmm. all great crack, and then the world went to shit. So <laughs> we are we are on hiatus until it's safe to bring people back. Um, I, I actually didn't know someone that's from this part of the world that the McCoy's Comedy Club never had... I don't know how I didn't know about it, but obviously there's the McCoovey's Club as well. Yeah, McCoovey's Club, uh, best comedy club in Newry, slash only comedy <laughs> club in Newry. Tw- what do you hear this, lads? £12 in, bring a carrot, and we feed you pizza at halftime. I mean, what more do you want? You couldn't take a stick that you couldn't beat it. <laughs> exactly. And there's uh, we do nights where you could come and see some of the, the best comedians in the land coming down. I mean, like headliners, we've had like Mickey Bartlett, Shane Todd, uh, Rory Woods came down headline first. Sean Haggerty, Diona Doherty, they've all done the club. So mm-hmm. it's a great thing for them to get out and do basically for the guys to do a good club night and it's well organized. And McCoy's a legend who really looks after. So yeah. I get her up to do a wee bit. She hosts sometimes whenever I'm working on new bits or if I'm taking a month off. McCoy's the woman. She jumps up and does her bit as well, which is, which is brilliant. I'm trying to encourage her to do more, but uh, obviously we can't do anything at the minute. But we, we will be back, people of Newry who love a carrot, we shall return. Oh, we will definitely, definitely, definitely be back because for me, I sort of, 
I just keep laughing at this. Like I keep talking about it on the podcast, but I keep laughing because I sort of had this like notion of, oh yeah, I would love to give stand up comedy a try, give it a go. Didn't, you know, the world didn't end. Wanted to give it a go, so it took that as a bit of a success. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? We'll give us another chance. We'll keep going, and we'll sort of see what comes of it. And then I got two or three gigs under my belt, and then I decided, you know what? Sure, I'll tell a few people. You know what harm will it do? And next thing, the world just ended. So, <laughs> terms of me, it couldn't have timed it any worse for starting yeah. out, uh, you know, trying to get into the stand-up scene. What was really funny was I remember chatting to you at that show where, where I was chatting to you after the gig in the Sunflower, and you were like, mm-hmm. any advice? And I said, literally, man, there's no more advice I can give you than just get out there and do loads of gigs. Yeah. And now I can't even do loads of gigs. <laughs> so, don't be, yeah, don't be too annoyed or panicked, but I was just like... For fu- mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with that, have you been writing much material yourself, or have you sort of just you know taken a step back? Because I feel like a lot of people are saying you know keep writing, keep doing your thing. Or what's your approach been? Yeah, here look, absolutely fair play to anybody who's been doing writing loads. I've just got back into doing my podcasting because I need some sort of creative outlet. Uh, mm-hmm. But with no gigs, there f- I don't know what's. I'm I'm a I would be a lazy writer anyway. Mm-hmm. I would write a lot. Uh, I do a lot of MCing, a lot of hosting work. So okay. I will write something for a new gig because it's something I'll try out in the middle. I'll be like, oh, I'll give this a go. This mm-hmm. is a new concept. And then uh, you can kind of pass it off as part of the, you're working into the chat somewhere and it's yeah. a new bit I'm working on. That's how I build material as opposed to, there's nothing scarier than just getting up and doing brand new material. Because yeah. comedy doesn't exist without an audience. You can think something's as funny as you want, but mm-hmm. if you say it and people laugh, it's comedy. If you say it and nobody laughs, it's a, it's a, you might as well be doing poetry. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, from my experience, I don't know, from starting out, I was absolutely terrifying, which was funny, though, because I obviously had written a wee bit and decided, I think Luke was awful good and gave me a spot in Pavilion. I tortured him once or twice, went, obviously showed my face, please, 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 and eventually gave me a spot, which was awful good of him. But then what happened was, as you said, you try and get more gigs and you try and get more spots. But what happened for me was one of the one of the gigs I got was in a place called the Accidental Theatre in Belfast. Now, so the people here that don't know anything about the accidental theater because i didn't know anything about it it's basically the side part of some form of church isn't it um no accidental is is the theater in shaftesbury square the gig you're on about is east laughs oh east laughs in, it's yeah. like the, the way corner of a methodist church which i <laughs> did there was a there was a a piece of it me in the irish news and the photo that was taken was me holding a, a slither it was me basically ex- explaining hurling to people in East Belfast. That's the photo they used, and it was taken at that venue. It's actually a lovely wee gig. It's a love, it's a class gig, but the way it got sold to me was obviously terrifying because I can't remember the name of the fella. I'm so bad with names, but whoever told me and like asked me, he's like, Yeah, you can come on, no bother, was explaining that you know, a large part of the uh, audience there will be the congregation that goes to a lot of the mass and stuff. So they're like, You might need to alter your material slightly. And a lot of my material from the first bit, just as like a standard lot, was like, you know, dicks and all the usual shit you expect 22 year old lad to talk about sort of things like right well there's anything that sort of got a laugh is gone so i'm back to square one again in terms of what i'm gonna come out with but thankfully yeah well, i mean great, i would say that, that great spot yeah it's a lovely place to do it and i would i would say to you to keep doing it and if it mm-hmm. do you know what if it encourages to write something a wee bit different it's always good to have something in in the back pocket when you're when you're writing material Mm-hmm. where you can go and do a gig and it doesn't matter what crowd you're gigging to. If you've got something for each crowd, you're laughing. But the only way to do that is to develop and keep gigging and you'll gig places that don't suit you and yeah. it's figuring that out. That's that's the scary part of it starting. There's no, as much advice as you can get or as much advice as I can give, the only way to do it is to do it and you'll learn from your own mistakes. And I can really, I can really tell you stuff and other comedians can tell you stuff. Be like, mm-hmm. don't do this if you're doing this. Obviously, you're not going to get up and do rough material in front of a church group you know that kind of way but at the same point after so many years i'm able to do like i can do a gig in you know like the braid theater in balamina Mm -hmm. and i can also do go and do a gig in your ear south Armagh, and then i can also go and do a gig in australia or canada yeah and i've got something that i can do there so there's no point me there's no point me going to southeast asia and talking about bestbrook yeah so (laughs) you'll figure you you do figure it out but i mean at the start definitely write with what you know Mm -hmm. so I sometimes I mean get up and try it if it doesn't work for the crowd you're gigging to but because some people will be like oh don't change your material for the crowd I'm like no read the room like see what the MC is doing see what the other acts are doing yeah that's part of the skill is like what's going to work here what are these people like what are they not like mm-hmm. so, so. T- talk to me a bit about 
you starting out like stand up and things like that as well because how long have you been doing stand up now for i am doing stand up 11 years this year right okay very good so talk to me what was if you can remember back to like your first gig or like anything back through the archives i can remember out? my very first gig was in the pavilion bar in belfast um i had been playing in bands for years and i just kind of got sick of setting up a drum kit so <laughs> A mate of mine was trying to open my comedy and he said, why don't you give it a go? He said, because, you know, you've, you've written songs and you've, you've done a bit of writing before. Why not try it? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, no problem. I said, I'll, I'll give it a go. How long do I have to do? Like seven minutes. I was like, Jesus, seven minutes of jokes. That's <laughs> terrifying. The thought of that was, I mean, I, I can do a bit now that's seven minutes and it's one bit. Whereas then it was, obviously, I was like, right, I have to write jokes. So mm-hmm. your material changes and mutates and develops. But at the start, it was right, write seven minutes for the pavilion and as sad as it sounds, I told one friend I was doing, you see people will do gigs and like bring all their mates mm-hmm. in the hope that you'll get a few laughs up. I was so terrified. Told one friend, literally uh, one of the girls I live with in Belfast, um, Katrina McEvitt, who's from Newry. I told her because I was like, can you come with me to this gig? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to come for a bit of support? And I was like, literally, if this goes bad, I might need a hug. So <laughs> she, she came along because I was so terrified. But thankfully, I mean, as a, as a first gig, I remember seeing the video a few years ago of it, and I was very, very nervous. No style, no mic skill, no kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's that's something you work on. And yeah, absolutely terrified and stern at the ground. But got the jokes out, got a few laughs, got off the stage. Nobody died. It was all good. So first gig, really, it's all about survival. <laughs> yeah, first gig was great. Second gig, terrible. Because I didn't know that you could, I didn't know it was a routine. Uh, and by a routine, I mean, you can reuse the thing. You can develop it. You can make it better. Yeah. I just went, right, that gig's done. And then they were like, you've been a gig in a month and a half. No problem. Wrote a brand new seven minutes. And it was dog shit. It was terrible. Really? Hmm? I, f- I feel like really it, bad. a lot of people I talk to, like I talked to a couple of people in my second gigs and stuff like that. And they're saying like, like my second, your second gig's probably, you're probably going to be your worst because you're going to do try new things and like sort of fall back on things. And like, you probably haven't got that same, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, I'm probably haven't got that same, you know, like, you're nearly more nervous because you've had a taste of a wee bit of last and you want, you know, you want more. So you can tend to push it really. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've done it once and you're like, well, can I do that again? Or what do I need to change? How do I change it? How do I make it mm-hmm. better? But I didn't do that. I just went right brand new stuff. And it was completely undeveloped. Whereas the stuff, what I should have done was got the recording of my first gig, listened back, cut what didn't work and extended what did. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's Which is what I do now. I record yeah. all my shows listen to them and then go that worked that worked slow down there that needs change swap that word around so yeah it's all editing yeah yeah it's a fun process i think i I tried to do something similar like that i feel like probably now there's a lot more you know podcasts and comedians giving their two takes on like what to do what not to do than maybe that there was probably 11 years ago like yeah so there's a lot more help and stuff out there thank god yeah it's it's good as i mean there are there are books and there's podcasts about how to do what um but same again the only way to do it is to do it there's plenty yeah. of people can listen i know people that have read all the books and listened to all the advice and they're terrible i know people <laughs> who are have a natural kind of a natural ability to entertain or talk and then mm-hmm. it's you'll see a lot of people some people are great writers bad performers some people are bad performers or sorry some people are great writers and bad performers some people are great performers and bad writers i mean you'll always see people who are like say a drama student so they've got comfortable on stage but their material just might not carry but there's a lot of charisma that carries through a set and mm-hmm. then other people are just brilliant writers can just stand stock still deliver material and the crowd loves it and do you think there's like a with those sort of things do you think there's like a 50 50 balance to that or is it like you know if you're sort of to split those like how much if you're trying to like add ingredients in for what really will work what sort of what's sort of the this perfect is, blend this- I was going to say, well, look, if there was a perfect blend, I'd be yeah. a lot more successful than I am. Do you know that kind yeah. of thing? I, I, yeah. can't, I can't tell you how to, how to do comedy because our styles could be totally different. What, mm-hmm. what I found out is just from sort of human psychology, you've got about, I'd say you've got about 30 seconds uh, on stage before people decide whether they like you or not. There's a likability factor. Okay. So some people get up and um, it's something I learned, thankfully, very quickly. The first, the first gig I did it and I noticed it worked was, get a joke out as quick as you can, even if it's a, a reference to, you know, like hello or your name, or if there's a joke about, oh, you're probably thinking I look like, yeah. that's fine. Get that out of the way because once you get a first laugh, it settles your nerves and it settles the, the audience. Mm-hmm. You see people get up and just launch into something that takes like a minute and a half to get to a punchline. And by that point, it, it, if it's not worth the payoff, they're not with you. Yeah, so you can instantly lose a room really. 
Yeah, which is terrifying. Or you can be doing well and on one misplaced line can lose a room. One, maybe a joke that doesn't land, maybe something that's offensive when, you, when you've been doing clean material. It's very hard to decide what mm-hmm. you're going to do. But what, what sort of, well, um, without telling me your material, what sort of stuff were you doing? I know you were saying about sort of so being I was a sort young of, guy. Yeah, well, I sort of like, I really didn't want to go down that route of, you know, like young guy and sort of like the stereotypical things you probably assume and probably you've seen over your 11 years. You're like, oh, another one of these sort of coming along. But I try to make as much stuff relatable to me and my experience. Like I come from like family of sex and stories with like fucking like Jewish parents and stuff like that. Like try to make it like as much as that as possible instead of just I'm a lad, dick, women, you know, that sort of stuff. So sort of more personal stuff that's still relatable, like to hope. Yeah, no, I, I get that as well. I I play a lot on that. There's a lot of stories about sort of growing up. I have three brothers. There's a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. My only advice kind of that I would say that stuff that I've noticed works is people appreciate, um, how would you put it? You have to put people at ease. So I would say before you kind of make fun of the audience or it's so, it's so hard to have a bit of fun with somebody without seeing a bully. You know what I mean? You have to yeah. be, you have to be good natured. People have to kind of, people have to get that you're joking. You know what I mean? I've seen yeah. people get up and like lose their temper and it makes, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, you see like an MC and he's just like, doesn't say anything something witty to somebody you just call someone a name and you're like yeah. oh, fuck i don't know about that yeah so i look it's happened it's, it's happened to me too maybe like a heckle's happened and you react too quickly or you don't have something ready for them it yeah there's there's mm-hmm. comedy so weird there's hundreds of things that can happen while you're up there but the thing you have to remember to do is get up on stage and try and be at the mic or have the mic in your hand before they stop applauding so you can literally go hello or so it's not the thing so get, get the crowd stop applauding Get, yeah, if you can be up there and have the mic in your hand, and even if you're saying hello, folks, and you're, as you're putting the mic stand out of your way, or maybe your style is that you leave it in the stand and talk into it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Some people like to act out, use both hands. I talk on my hands a bit, but I usually have the mic in my hand. Yeah, There's a lot of very Italian gestures. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, if you can do that, if you can try and be at the mic, or at least have the mic in your hand before people stop applauding. Because I would do that when I'm MC and I'm like, look, folks, don't stop applauding until the man's got the, till the, you know, the guy or girl's got the mic yeah. in their hand. Because I'm sure you've been to enough shows to see how uncomfortable is it in a quiet room as somebody untangles a microphone. Yeah. Or would some people, try, they'll try, I suppose, more like experienced people try and save it if they get that awkward science show and make a joke out of it being tangled or I suppose that all comes with experience then. First thing I do when I'm MC and is before the show starts, climb up on stage, make sure the lead's not caught in anything. Honest <laughs> to God. It's just really? years of experience because some people will set up. I mean, it's stand up. Just give me a straight mic stand and a an SM58 microphone, like a a proper mm-hmm. you know vocal mic. Sometimes you get the gigs. People be like, "Oh, we had a stand because we normally have guitar players." I'm like, "Get rid of that. That's just more <laughs> something for somebody to break or fiddle with." Yeah, that's what I would say. The practicalities of stand up. Know how to use a mic stand and know how to plug a microphone in if the lead comes out. Honest to God, it's such a <laughs> such a skill set. But it I, like I used to, do, I was a sound engineer. It happens to everyone. Yeah. I was a sound engineer. I've had to literally run up on stage and fix stuff for people because they're just kind of standing there panicking. I'm like, give me that. Click. <laughs> bits in hand, what <laughs> yeah. What have I done? I'm like, fix it. So. <laughs> has it ever happened at any big stages, or has it sort of been more comedy club stuff? I suppose you would have engineers and stuff there, wouldn't you? No, big stuff. Uh, you would do, but for the love of God, you should have. I mean, if you're if you're doing like proper comedy clubs, they'll have your microphone in the stand, straight boom or straight stand. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a musical comedian, they'll have a boom stand for you. And then if you, all good clubs will have a spur mic on the stage. Like if your mic cuts out, the, the weak guy will just appear and hand yeah. you a new one. But look, when you're running your own show, you might only have one microphone. So you got to make sure everything works. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> oh, God. Making me nervous Get thinking her. about all these things. Like I'm just thinking of all the things now that could potentially go wrong on stage. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I think if you've got all those mentally covered, you don't panic. Yeah, and then true. you can make a joke of it or reference into it about how you know how you can make it part of the set or mm-hmm. what what do you do with it how do you how do you fix this how do you how do you get everybody back on side you can have like gigs ebb and flow especially emceeing somebody might do bad and then it's your job to bring them back up again make them happy mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and they don't like their stuff and then you're like oh shit what about what am i gonna say here this isn't going well how am i gonna get everybody back on side and get them in a good mood because that i mean as a host your job is literally to make people feel welcome. See, mm-hmm. some people don't suit hosting. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you've seen me, MC. I just try and be very, how's it going? Keeping right. You don't for a good night. Great yeah. comedians. You know, you're, you're getting people amped up. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to convince your mate to come to a party. Come on, it'll be great <laughs> fun. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. you're here for you're here for a good time. That's sort of like vibe yeah, for everybody, exactly. I suppose. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So then, how did you like? How personally did you figure out that like MCN and hosting was sort of more, you know, something you really enjoyed then compared to? Well, I don't know if that is what you're saying, but are you saying that like you really prefer the hosting compared to the straight sets then? No, I I host out of necessity. Usually, oh, hosting right. is hosting an MCN is something that I figure out how to do. Mm-hmm. Because I was running my own shows. Same way when I played in the band, I figured out how to make up an entire stage set. I figured out how to do sound. It's a necessity of I figured out how to be a gig promoter when I was uh-huh. a ba- when I've played in bands, and I've used all that knowledge to help me in comedy. And it's probably mm-hmm. helped me. You know, I've I've learned. I've I've already learned what to do and what not to do before I've put on a show. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, hosting is something I just know how to do. And you know what? It's a good skill to have because if as you do more shows, people will go well we've got this list of comedians who can MC, and usually the MC gets paid the second most after the headliner. So yeah. if you're not headlining, you can get the MC job. Magic. <laughs> that's where the money's at. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So I suppose that's all good advice for me, but for a lot of people that aren't really aspiring to become comedians then, which I presume is quite a lot of people listen to this, uh, I'd love to find out a wee bit more about like stuff that you're doing and uh, these sort of things. So talk to me a wee bit about like, We'll stay on the comedy trend here a wee bit, but tell me a wee bit more about like your best gigs, your good gigs. You've mentioned there about like Singapore traveling and that there. Like, so how does like traveling coming and doing comedy? How did that come about for you? Were you traveling? You just happened to do comedy, or was it? I I was doing stand up for about a year, and then I moved to Australia. I moved okay. to Perth to work, basically. So mm-hmm. I while I was out there, they've got a brilliant comedy scene in Perth. So I was like, I want to do more gigs. And the first week I was there, I entered a competition which was um, basically like a gong. So if people didn't laugh, you got gonged off. Or there was, the way they worked it was, there were three cards handed out to random people. And if they decided you weren't funny, they'd raise their their, flag, their wee card. And if the MC saw that there was three flags up, they'd gong you off. So the first oh, night good. I was there, I'd only been doing comedy for about a year, but I, I won, or sorry, I got through my five minutes because I'd written a load of stuff about being in Australia. I was there for a week, so I was writing all the time because mm-hmm. I wasn't working at the minute. Mm-hmm. And... I got into a final then, and in the final, you get an extra minute to do more. So I had my year's experience plus whatever I'd written since I got there. So I had six minutes for that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, got through my five minutes without getting gonged off, got into a final with two other comedians, did an extra minute of quite short, because we're Irish, we speak quite quickly. Yeah. So they were like, can you do a minute? And I was like, I'm going to do five minutes in a minute. Watch this. <laughs> did that and won. So I won $100. And then I entered a competition called Green Faces which I got into the finals of. It was won by a, a musical comedy act, like a trio. Mm-hmm. But I got into the final, and from, so I'd emailed all the promoters who never got back to me. And then once I get into the final of that, all the promoters were at the final and then saw me and then went, do you want to come do a bit at my gig? And I was like, yeah. And then that, that started me getting paid shows. Mm-hmm. So then the best way to sort of get out there is competitions? Um, no, comedy is completely subjective. Don't enter competitions. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was my way of getting out there because it was a means of letting the promoters see me basically in Perth because nobody knew how I was because I wasn't from there so they were yeah, probably okay, no contact. chance to let me get up on stage I had no contacts mm-hmm. and then once I was there I got to know the four or five promoters that ran everything in the town Perth as a city has the same population as like Northern Ireland so it was great place. Yeah, it yeah. opened up a, a lot of that's in one town like so it opened up a lot of gigs and then like out of that I got booked for They literally, the, the most rock and roll I've ever felt, they flew me to do a show. So I got in a wee, um, <laughs> it's a wee, not a private jet, but it's like one that takes all the workers from the city up to the mine. And then they stay there for like a week. Part mm-hmm. of, so they stay there for a month. I had to stay for a weekend. But uh, yeah, got really well. It was like a mining company. They're absolutely rotten with do. So I got paid. <laughs> I could pay out a couple of grand, I think, to go up and hang out on Paddy's Day, just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it was like, don't wander off into the desert. There's snakes. You know, don't uh, don't be hanging around at nighttime at Dingo will take you. And I was like, <laughs> hiding, hiding in my wee room going, is it safe to come out yet? And then Paddy's Day obviously came out and I went, there's a wee town nearby that population 500 people. Went in there. It's literally like a crossroads and a bar. I went in there. I was drinking. I was chatting. I got chatting with an Irish boy that was working at the mine. Of course I did. Yeah. And then back, I nearly missed the bus back to the mine for the show. And I was like, this is the, the, literally the only reason I'm here. <laughs> and the show was so, yeah. in, in a mine? On a mine site, not in a mine, not not yeah. like under the ground. So the mine sites are the boys. They do strip mine in there. So they mine the top. They take the top level off and they get. Oh, right, okay. So what I was doing was I was staying. There's like a little village that's purpose built in the middle of nowhere in the desert where they've found this ore, 
and then there's a, a wet mess so it's just a, an outdoor pub basically oh, so class. i had to bring the pa system with me and sure enough they paid me extra because i set up my own sound because you had your own stuff <laughs> <laughs> and you just so happened to have a pa system with you in australia or <laughs> well no they um the, the company who booked me they they gave me a PA system there. You need to take it with you because they don't have one at the mine site. But uh, <laughs> we're going to send a sound engineer with you. And I was like, I can set that up myself. And they're like, oh, cool. We'll just pay what we're paying him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a one man. So, yeah. so when everyone was at job. work, I was, I was setting up the PA system because I figured it would have looked so not showbiz if they had a walk, if I had a walk in. <laughs> when everyone's sitting waiting for me, just give us, give us 10 minutes, boys. I'm just going to plug her in here. <laughs> It's the PA guy we've got on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a hat trying to pretend it's not me. And then show up, hey, hey. Uh, pretty hard to disguise yourself down there with red hair and probably red raw skin at this stage. I was melted. I was melted. <laughs> so it was good crack. So how long did you stay in Australia for then? Uh, I was there for, I was in Australia kind of on and off because I sort of traveled around a wee bit and I moved. But um, I was last in Australia in 2018. 20, sorry, 2019, I did the Perth and Adelaide Fringe Festivals with another comedian from Bestbrook. Oh, there's more? He started comedy in Australia. Really? What's yeah. the name? A very funny man called Sean Quinn. He's based in Adelaide. Oh, very good. So Sean's out there, but he started comedy in Australia in Brisbane, then moved to Adelaide, and he's doing great guns. So um, if the world is opened up again, I'm going to go back out and do the festivals next year. So Because after doing a winter here and not being able to travel anywhere, not doing that shit again. So yeah. I'm going to... <laughs> I'll get out of here and try and get back to Perth and Adelaide. Yeah, I think that's everyone's aim at the minute. Whenever everything opens up, God only knows when. I don't know if you did. You see the? Uh, I, don't, I don't even want to call it an announcement from Stormont today on our plan. The PDF up. file. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that was. Whoever's child made that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, somebody doing that for their GCSE ACT. That was great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I did, I did see it, and I, I was I was very more interested. I was just like, "What's the crack with sports?" Because I need to get back training with the, the football club, like so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you been? Because you play for East Antrim. That's East Belfast. East Belfast, yeah, East Belfast, GAA, which is a brand Belfast. new thing. What is it? Two years old? No, it's a year old. It started a year old. Uh, yeah. We went. It went from uh, a tweet that was sent in May to the first competitive team being fielded at the, at the end of June, I think, middle of June. Mm -hmm. Was mad. I actually ended up I joined as a footballer and I've ended up in the hurling team. So there you go. Did you have any experience of hurling before or is this all brand new? No, I played for Creve Rue when I was a kid, but I, I literally hadn't hurled mm -hmm. in 20 years. Yeah. And then when I got the stick back in my hand, I was like, oh, gonna get some damage now. <laughs> gonna bait some boys with this. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was great. I did one of the first things I did uh, because it was a brand new club and it didn't have any money. I did the fundraising. So I put on four shows in the Hatfield. Oh, nice. For the club. So the four shows were because we were bubbling as a team so not not as a club because the club has got like 400 members mm -hmm. but each team was given 50 tickets we did an upstairs gig in the Hatfield and we actually only got two done because we literally did a Friday night and on the Saturday another lockdown happened and we couldn't do the next two shows so there those shows are still going to go ahead but they'll be like eight months after they're supposed to oh and they're and they're just so stand-up shows basically in the Hatfield stand-up gigs fundraisers uh Shane Todd and Mark McCarney. I hosted and Aaron Butler and then uh, Leonie McDonough. Um, then the ones that were cancelled was Mickey Bartlett and Paddy McDonald. But they're they're gonna do them whenever they open up again. They have the boys on the on the the wages that they're gonna do it once it's up and running. Oh right, okay. Because I keep seeing a lot of these like gigs. It seems like people like Shane and Mickey. All these people have you know they're sort of like big arena shows and all their schedules. I'm just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed mm -hmm. back. It's an absolute nightmare for people. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's, I would be happy enough to have the two clubs up and running again because that would be a reason to write material because the world would yeah. have reopened. And I certainly, I don't want to talk about COVID on stage. I don't want to talk oh, about what happened or how, why we've been locked in that. I'm like, do you know what's funny? What we've just been doing for a year and a half. That's not one bit funny. Shut up. Yeah. So yeah. it's trying to, um, trying to do that where it's, uh, yeah, I just want to get back up. I mean, most of my material, as you saw when you saw me, was it's all travel stories. I need mm -hmm. to be going places to be writing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be allowed on a plane to do something stupid to write a joke about. Yeah, it's not as funny when you're sitting in the house doing something stupid like. Yeah, exactly. Garden <laughs> in the day. That's not funny. Yeah, no. <laughs> no one wants to listen to that. Because that was a big thing. Whenever first lockdown came, and like I'm talking like a lot of stuff I listened to is like, say, like 
American comedians like Brian Callen, like those sort of people, like obviously everyone listens to Joe Rogan. And all they were talking about was you need to be writing, like don't stop, keep writing, keep writing. But like things that were relevant for, if you think of lockdown one, just simply aren't relevant anymore. And no one wants to listen to it. Yeah, I, I don't. If I don't want to go to a comedy club and someone go, "What did you do in lockdown?" I'm like, "Shut up and talk about something else." Okay, yeah. Yeah. I come out here to forget this shit. Let's, mm-hmm. we're we're back in the world now. Let's go. So, that'll be the hopeful thing. And then, yeah. So, everyone's planning their kind of solo shows. Um, I'm. I think I'm opening for, uh, Jordan Robinson, who I do the Injury Time podcast with. Yeah. But Jordan hasn't announced any dates yet because same again, we can't. So I'm mm-hmm. in, I'd love to do a solo show as well. I have I have one I've started writing, but yet again, I'm very lazy at it because why? I don't know when yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get the mo- the mojo going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like I'm, I'm not thinking of loads of funny stuff while I might walk on the dogs, you know, yeah. bring my <laughs> get my notepad out here. Um <laughs> but yeah, if anyone is working away and writing loads, absolutely fair play, these lads. Absolutely yeah. fair play. Cause I'm just I'm at the minute I'm just it's head down, it's groundhog day. Get your head mm-hmm. down, go to work, come home. Yeah. try and do something fun like podcasting by yourself Sean or mm-hmm. doing my own podcast or you know learning a bit of guitar just anything to sort of try and be somewhere creative at yeah the try, like I've even got into there today on my Instagram story like cold, jumping into cold water like just anything no matter how stupid or like that, that is, cold water swimming is massive these days that's that's the big deal man the old Wim Hof method and all that stuff yeah you know, cold showers <laughs> every morning go throw yourself into the ocean I don't understand the whole the cold shower thing. I'm definitely not getting behind cold water. I can, you know, open water and stuff like that more so. But who wants to stand in a cold shower? <laughs> oh yeah, like I'll jump off a pier in the cold water because that's a bit of crack. I'm not yeah. purposely having a cold shower. Get and up. also, if I fit myself in the shower with cold water, that's just weird. <laughs> Whereas from yeah. the sea, <laughs> it's even more acceptable. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's whole um there's whole groups of people going to the the beaches and stuff, and then that's it's really funny. I saw a thing about like cops lifting people. For being in groups of two at the beach and stuff, and I'm just like, oh, maybe yeah. I don't know. Is that something to be funny about? It's not really. Uh, I think the funniest thing I've seen about that was, uh, uh what was the one? There's a Facebook group called oh, so up here in Belfast. If you go up up the the coast towards Bangor, um, there's a place called Helen's Bay, and their cold water swimming group is called Helen's Bay Watch. So <laughs> I was like, hey, puns, nice one. That's yeah. the funniest thing I've seen. <laughs> so um, so. As well, we were talking about uh, what were you talking about there for Sango. I had something in my head that I've lost now. Oh yeah, so we we're talking about um, writing and stuff like that as well. When we were in the middle of all that. Seeing for, and this is probably more so for me. People are probably sitting there thinking, Sean, this is like a therapy session for uh, how to be a comedian now. But in terms of therapy, man. But if like a lot of the stuff I do, I get ideas and I'll put it in the notes section. Like, do you like an idea or a line? Have you been doing much of that even, or has it been completely cut off? Uh. No, I don't do that because I've never done that because what happens is I do that and then I look at my phone a week later and go, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. And first there was some I was yeah. looking through and I was like, some of those two just random thoughts that you think are funny looking and like, that's just kind of weird. <laughs> Why is there like random line of something? I don't have no yeah. idea what it's about. <laughs> it, because I played in bands for years, I still write a set list like I'm writing a set list for the band. So people will, some people will write their entire material and learn it like a script word for word. Whereas I will have a basis and a punchline and I will write I will write the word that that joke corresponds to or a word that reminds me of an entire story where I go, oh yeah, that, that, that's that story. And it'll be, so you can write it in the back of your hand or it can be on a page that sits on a speaker. But I, I never have enough notes that I can just read my notes. It's just like your, go, your brain's looking at that thing going, that's the next story you're going to. So find a link here. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Tell that story. So yeah, no, I still write set lists like I'm in a band and I never, I never make notes properly. Or I do, if I do... I'll write out a joke long form, which is, you know, write the original idea and then look at it and go, right, I don't need that word. That's, you know, try and, try and trim the joke back to as, as tight as it can be. So it, it, it's like it's like learning to read and write in school again. So if you're saying, you know, oh, I uh, I drove into town on Saturday morning in my red car, you're like, nobody needs to know it was Saturday morning. Nobody needs to know the car's red. I drove into town. Oh, that's, a, that's interesting. So you just try and condense... I suppose you're trying to condense all the funny, get as much funny in there as possible. Is that best yeah, or if I if I do, so what, mine's, mine's very story-based. So if I'm doing a story, there's lots of little jokes that lead to the big punchline that's the end yeah. of the story. Mm-hmm. So that's it, where you're trying to keep everything tight. All right, and okay. then eventually that will expand out too. We will add more jokes into a story and the story will get bigger and smaller as you go. Okay. And in terms of times and how long you have this time, obviously we talk 
really quick and that's one of the probably the biggest things i took away from my first gig i was like it was like the equivalent of like roadrunner on crack the way the sort of the words are coming out of my mouth is that a big thing you've learned like slow down like delivery methods like what sort of advice would you have for that then as well I mean, here, everyone can understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I de- definitely, when I moved abroad, but that wasn't just performing, that was in general. I had to slow down. I got very, um, my sort of neurisms of, so if you, I mean, even when I'm gigging in Belfast, if I would say to somebody, you know, you know, oh, well, man, what's the crack? In Uri, we can say that as, as one word. You can just go, it's crack, boy. That's like, yeah. <laughs> that's nonsense. That's not even words. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. S apostrophe crack by B A I it's crack by and you know exactly what that means but I can't do that on stage I have to mm-hmm. say well how are you or it, it, it's it's sort of it's kind of weird it was like going back to school and like doing your GCSE English again where it's like don't try and try and talk how you would kind of type or write something as opposed to but you know keep your personality in it so it's kind of weird but yeah, yeah. when I was abroad definitely very became like an English teacher very slow delivered um very so people can understand you. I mean, I've, I've done gigs in places where English is their second language. And I'm, you know, one of those ones where you're doing a gig and you know that everybody in the place is actually better at English than you are. Yeah, definitely. Like. <laughs> yeah. So what is it somebody, like doing... somebody said that to me. Somebody actually said that to me after a show in Southeast Asia. They said, um, that was a great show. Your English is very good. And I was like, for fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what language is, what is the actual language this place speaks? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, 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 we speak, I said in, in Irish, we speak bastardized English. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> we're not supposed to be speaking it. So we've just completely ruined it. Cause I started making, uh, started making clips for the podcast and stuff. I had one where with Ryan the other day and I was trying to get like subtitles on it. And like some of the programs do do like automated subtitles and the stuff that was firing <laughs> back at me. was <laughs> hilarious. I was like, that's not going to work for us. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, he's trying to be really motivational, serious here. And it's coming up the most horrific stuff in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to post this, but he will not appreciate it one bit. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely something to be said for, I mean, there's a, there's a sketch video on that. So, you know, Google translate trying to work oh. out with somebody from Yuri saying. <laughs> do you think that plays a big part in the like, the growth of a lot of Northern Ireland comedians in because obviously there's people here that are selling out like arenas and like big, big places, but like the international sort of spectrum, isn't the same for them. Do you think the accent is a big part to play in that? Um, I don't, I think obviously people over here will understand you better because it's, it's their accent too. Um, I'm sure with this rest of the guys, when they go gig other places, they'll slow down or speed up or, or hmm. change. It's kind of weird. It's not even changing your accent because people can still tell where you're from it's it's developing your your use of the language basically being articulate probably a bit more uh just easier to understand mm-hmm. and it's so weird when i first started doing shows in australia i i kind of felt like i was talking like it sort of like a, like i had a head injury you know that thing where your brain's going you sound stupid but the audience are understanding me mm-hmm because I'm not just, I don't just jump up and go, well, everybody, what's happening? I'm Darren, I'm from Bestwick. <laughs> I have to get up and go, hi, everyone. You know, as you can tell from my accent, I've just got here from my construction job. You know, that sort of stuff when you're, <laughs> yeah. that's what they're expecting of me because as soon as I say hello, they go, oh, accent. Mm-hmm. So I have to be very, I've done, I've done shows where I can see somebody really trying to work hard to figure out what I'm saying. So we have to be funny. Yeah. I don't want, the, I don't want them getting the joke after their brain's gone. I know what he said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's more so comes down to, a point of if you're funny or funny it doesn't matter what you sound like as long as you're as long as people audible as long as people understand what you're saying yeah and if you're abroad then if you if you're not saying something that is funny at least it sounds funny yeah so that's always good <laughs> yeah uh so oh, yeah we'll get a wee bit more into you as well because i think we've covered loads of stand-up stuff there and there's probably a load of really good takeaways there and i know i definitely take lots of good stuff from that as well but in terms of yourself so you mentioned that you had the podcast with jordan injury time podcast which i for one absolutely love the branding of <laughs> despite you you're in your that was all jordan your, i can't despite say it. you're in your armada jersey and it's because i'm a down man despite living in Bestwick, I, I am a down man <laughs> mm-hmm. traitor <laughs> yeah tell me a bit more overlap. yeah well tell me a bit more about that tell me a bit more about the injury time podcast and what people can expect from that and things Injury time uh, was Jordan's idea and he came to me and obviously figured out it would be better as a kind of as a duo because when you're talking about football, uh, we kind of want to have that feel where it's like, remember the good old days when you could watch football in the pub with your mates. Mm -hmm. So it was like, we'll talk about 
football. Well, we don't just do football. We cover rugby whenever it's on. We cover GAA as well. So I've introduced Jordan. I got him work. I got him watching Gaelic and Harlan. He absolutely loves it. Class. Uh, he's been watching that. So doing that, we do rugby, we do football. We've been asking people. We get guests on. We do a thing called story time where we'll give you a story every week about a different sports person. So we've done stuff like, um, we actually did one on uh, a Newry man, my great uncle, Seamus Darcy, who is a Chelsea player and played for Northern Ireland. So we did an episode on him. We've done episodes on random people like Babe Ruth, the baseball player, Aaron mm-hmm. Hernandez, the American football player who they made the Netflix documentary about because he killed a few people. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's really random and varied. We did one on Thierry Henry. We did one on Eric Cantona with Shane Todd. Thierry Henry was done with Dave Elliott. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real mixed bag of tricks. You'll get your roundup of scores for the week we do an intro about what's going on in the world of sport um we do the this week in sport we do a story time and then if at the end of every episode myself and jordan have a little contest where one week he asked me three questions and the next week i ask him three questions that's been great crack because i have listened i've listened to it obviously but i've seen like structure of the show as you said like different segments different part it is it's very unique in this take because it's a comedy style sports podcast and yeah. like so it's not just two people that think they know everything about sports going in and trying to break down fine detail about it you like to have a good laugh with it as well we have a good laugh with there's jokes in it there's you know where there's a lot of ad libs um making stuff up on the spot the only thing we have to work off is the literal score sheet mm-hmm. that's it and, and then jordan or yeah free form from our story time is usually something that jordan's researched or we have a wee legend rona rona campbell who does a bit of research for us too and she'll she'll give Jordan the info she's got on who's the sports of the week. But yeah, it's pretty much, it's a good excuse to watch a lot more football. So it's mm-hmm. great. And then um, once the season ends, we'll find something else to watch during the, I mean, during the summer with a bit of luck, we'll have a Euros on or whatever. So should be good. Yeah. Touch wood with sports and stuff like that there because, mm-hmm. oh God, <laughs> without it, you see these people, a lot of them saying like the Premier League, they're not so she doesn't celebrate. Goes, look, love, without football on a Saturday, night, Saturday or Sunday, my life would be completely, completely miserable. <laughs> yeah. We wanted much to be at, but you know. no, that came out of, I think the, the idea for injury time was something Jordan came to me with, which was, it, it'll be funnier. If you're, it sounds like you're how people engage with sport, which is talking to your mate about it. So mm-hmm. we wanted to very, sound very, chill and we asked for people to i mean we have an instagram and we have a twitter and stuff so we said to people what's your opinion like this week's episode we talked about you know like an england 11 who's gareth Southgate gonna take to the euros mm-hmm. they have qualified so like send us your england 11 so people have been getting in touch with their recommendations of who you should take and well you know that carries on we do that next week so if you listen to the podcast this week and you send us in something you might get a mention next week so it's all yeah. good yeah so go well, well that that came out of the idea i think because i was already doing my podcast so mm-hmm. jordan was like well you know what you're doing you can do the recording you've got the mics so do you want to just jump in and give me a hand i was like aye it's good crack yeah no yeah it is i have to say it's absolutely fantastic podcast anyone's listening to this feel free after this to go over and check it out like it's after it's you subscribed to yeah. this podcast <laughs> go find go over there okay <laughs> yeah no it is honestly it's fantastic uh arm for championship this year what's the opinion uh championship this year let's see how we do in division one league first i think that'll be a gauge Mm -hmm. because i'm foreseeing a couple of hammerings but if with a bit of luck i mean good god be nice to win an ulster like but we'll have to see you'll need like you need like tyrone to beat donegal or donegal to beat tyrone and then sure then we saw with calvin winning last year anything is possible so here look they're the dream no matter how our man does i'll always be a fan so they've uh they've mentally abused me for long enough I, i can take another year yeah, well, we were sitting there last year thinking, you know, we finally we've got a draw with Calvin in the semi-finals, plain sailing with a day out here in our hands, and the Ulster Championship never disappoints, does it? So, <laughs> was it was that mad as well, where Calvin basically had to come from behind in every game they played, like even against Antrim, they had yeah. to come from behind <laughs> against Antrim, <laughs> and then ended up winning the Ulster. I was like, what is going on here? It got the stage. I was like, no, this is just a bit we do. We let you think you're going to win, no matter who you are. And then we'll just come back. <laughs> and every team had them. Down had them. Cavan had them. Monon had them. <laughs> oh, down, down was the biggest, probably one of the biggest jokes I think I've ever witnessed on a Gaelic football pitch. Mm. Apart you from you had them, I was watching it going, Down has this. Like, this is it. This is job. It was job done at half time, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Like, all I want from Down on a, all you want from your county is a day out in Crow Park. That's all I want. Or a day out in Clonus. All I want is a day to get on the beer, get on a bus, and come home, obviously, steaming. And if you can't deliver that, the whole season's been a waste. Whether it's well, I mean, divi- you've got is, is it Division Two this year for Dan? Yep. Finally. That's, that's 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 the standard you're playing here, dude. I've I've been to see Armagh play Division Four football. You don't want that. Really? 
Yeah, oh yeah. Or my, we went, we went, we went downtown, dude. I'm 35. I did, yeah. I remember before the good times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if this even is good times, who knows? Yeah. Well, here, look. I remember seeing. I remember seeing downbeat Arma and Yuri, and then going on to win the All Ireland. Like that. That's things. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the neighbors yeah. doing, the, doing the business. So, but sure. Uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll just have to keep coming back, won't we? It's it's the same. Look, this is I've explained this. Although one of the jokes I do is I say my, my father mentally abused me as a child. He made me an Armagh fan. This is totally <laughs> true. There's no way of getting around. And one of the beautiful things about Gaelic sports, which I talk about in the Al podcast, is you don't get to pick. You can pick to support Man mm-hmm. United. You can pick to support Liverpool. You can pick to support Celtic Rangers. Whatever you want. You don't get the pick wherever you yeah. wherever you fall out of your ma. That's you, but <laughs> end of story. Get that red and black yeah. or orange on you, and that's the end of story. <laughs> Absolutely, that's it. And uh, it could be, I mean, it could be a lifetime of disappointment. But by God, as you say, you love them days. Out. You want to go to Clonus. You want to yeah. go to uh, you want to go to Dub- to Dublin. And then with a bit of luck, hopefully we got Casement Park built here in Belfast. I can dip across the road to watch the match. It'd be great. Yeah, that'll be that'll be amazing. See the GR probably. I think they're GR playing hardball with the purse strings as usual with that situation. I know, I know. Well, I mean, look, they've taken some hit in the last sort of year and a half of nobody being at the thing because obviously an all Ireland yeah. final day generates millions. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Especially, well, but I think the last one was a replay, so the technically got two out of it. <laughs> got two all Irelands the year before, so they got their dues. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I hope they save that cash. Hope that's in the the ISA. We can't touch that cash. <laughs> to put that away for a long time. But yeah, when when was actually the last time Clonus was functional? I don't really have too much memories of Clonus. Uh, I was at. I think it was three years ago. I was at the Down Tyrone Ulster final. I went to that. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll not tell you the result because you know, but <laughs> that was the last time I was at it. I think it was up and running. Yeah, because there was no Ulster final. Last, see, I'm trying to remember. I'm like, was that last year? Or was that two years ago? Yeah, so two years ago, 2019 would have been mm-hmm. the last one, and that was, I think, Donegal and Tyrone. Mm-hmm. 2018, I was at. Yeah, yeah, because I was away for the last one. But no, yeah, so yeah, two years, and it'll be the same. Probably, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year unless we're allowed fans into the place. So no, no. And have you been trained away personally for? Uh, East Belfast, not East Antrim, Sean. East Belfast. Have you been doing uh, stuff? Or do, is we, of... we're, I mean, obviously, we're not able to do anything as a team. So I have yeah. a wee bounce net for out the back that I can sort of because I don't have I don't have a gable wall to hit the ball off. So mm-hmm. I got a wee bounce net off one of the boys Was like it's sitting in my garden, rusting. So take it. And I was like, we'll do. So I went yeah. up and got it. Um. So I've been smacking the ball again that a wee bit. Um. Uh. I actually had COVID uh, in January, so I tried to go for a run. Mm-hmm. I had a pure bad temper a couple of weeks after it and I'm, I'm nowhere near fit again so there, there is like a real hangover from it but mm-hmm. I've been doing kettlebells in the house to try and get fit again but as for cardio I'm running about might just ask if we can do that this year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got a we got a thing we got this we got this fucking app and it basically the whole team has to sign into it and it tracks your run so if you didn't do your run like it'll say you didn't do your run do that sort of way and I think it's like two sessions a week I run so I think for, for us I think like Neary Shamrocks were relatively fit i don't know it's hard to know like when's the season going to start and all this here carry on but like i guess i guess it's going to come down to for a lot of teams this year who's the fittest especially at club level look every year every year you do that thing we do pre-season everyone busts their whole gym there's nothing beats playing a game i've done things oh, where yeah. you think you're fit and then you play a match and your tongue's hanging out of your mouth after 10 minutes because you're like oh yeah we haven't done mm-hmm. any of this so I remember you can run all the five k's you want. See how many sprints can you do in a half an hour? Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's that's the test. Like one of the boys set up in our change room last year and just goes, "Do you know what the best thing is, lads? For getting your match fit, matches." <laughs> just like yeah, He's <laughs> fuck right. all this bullshit of boys. But fucking because we have some big boys in our team, like some real fit boys. It's like, do you know what the best thing is for you boys? Actually, play a match, and they're all sitting there on the bench and run their five k's in like four minutes. <laughs> Totally right. I've I've marked guys that are that are flying fit. I'm just like you're not flying fit after I give you a dead leg. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the east. <laughs> I'm welcome to the east. That, that's what I was doing when I was still playing for the summon. I played my last season for the summon when I was 32, 35. Now that's why I switched to hurling. I was like, why would I run 50 yards with a ball and hit a slither 60? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're a bit working smarter here now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do nets for football. I'm gonna go play hurling. <laughs> That's class. I know you have to get going here, so I'll not keep you much, much longer. Uh, no problem. Think... I've enjoyed the chat. Thanks for having me. No, yeah, no, it's been it's been a lot of fun actually. It's actually flown by. This feels like it's probably has been one of the quickest in honesty. But uh, 
Uh, I think closing comments and stuff like that. Uh, we're really hoping for the comedy scene to hopefully open up. I think when we look at the actual, if you try to make sense of that PDF format, whatever the, f- basically the way I look at it is they've brought it out and they said, when things are ready to open, we'll let you know. So is it a plan? Is it told not? Us, told us nothing. They've yeah. committed to nothing. Basically. Yeah. They've done, they've done an absolute masterclass on what they do and they've done nothing. Yeah. But uh, I think it looks like if you're trying to figure it out, wet pubs, which I still hate the term, is last, which means yeah, it's rotten. <laughs> like, it sounds like someone spat all over it. <laughs> yeah, 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 a wet pub. Why not just call it a moist bar? That's way nicer. <laughs> it's not. It's fucking horrible. It's yeah. not. Just call it a pub. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Where did we come up with all this? But um, I think I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover there. But uh, yeah, so thanks very much, Darren, for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh probably reach out to you again in the future and scramble your brain on how to crack this whole comedy thing right while i have you and because we're recording this so this Mm. is going to be a recorded conversation when we get up and running again will you come and do two gigs one in belfast one in yuri absolutely yep 100 there you go folks he said it he said it it's a recorded he's gonna put this out don't you be editing this end of it just no no no. don't you be telling people that i get cut off with five minutes to go okay (laughs) you're 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 booked that's you booked no no I absolutely love it. Yeah. And if I'm going to get one closing statement from you, I'm going to take Arma or Down. Who's going to get further in the championship this year? Isn't that sad that that's what our lives have come down yeah. to? <laughs> that's what it's <laughs> This is what it is. Yeah. Do you know why? Because I, I used to think that Arma and Down fans hated each other. And now it's just the two of us in the pub together going, wouldn't it be brilliant shit. if we got to like a semi final? <laughs> yeah. I would have no issue. I'll jump on I'll jump on the Arma bus and go Kroger. <laughs> I don't care. I'll jump. Here, look. If Andrew and going, I'll hop on that bus as well. They all yeah. have to come down this um, part of the world anyway to get them Who's away. going to get further? I think it's going to come down to if Arma can not get completely hammered out of Division 1, I think we've probably got a good shot of at least, hopefully, an Ulster final. But I need yeah. to see the draw because unless you're going to play a Tyrone in like the first round and then yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It'll be inter- uh, like the, the down thing will be interesting with Paddy Talley getting suspended. So we'll see who comes back and what happens. Yeah. That's a real entrance from one, actually. I completely forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah, mm. we shall see. We shall see. But yeah, if you're looking at more sports talk and more of Darren, make sure you check him out on all his podcast formats. I think Darren Matthews with Friends, Injury Time Podcast. Any other yeah, podcasts? So Darren, Matthews podcast? and so- Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends and Injury Time with Darren and Jordan. They're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. Just fire them into any search engine and you'll find us on all the platforms. Yeah, he's everywhere, guys. So make sure you follow him as well. Thanks again, Darren, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you have enjoyed this episode of Smack Talk, please leave a like or subscribe. Do whatever the hell it is you do. And I'll see you all again in the next one. Thanks. No problem. Cheers, Sean.